As we heard in our second reading today, Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams says that love is allowing others to be who they are. This is our invitation in covenantal community. We are not bound together by shared creed. We are bound together by covenant. The promises that we make to each other about how we will be with each other and about our responsibility to our planet and to humanity. For many of us, the closest Unitarian Universalists get to a creed is our seven principles. And these are found in the front of your gray hymnal. These say what we are for in the world. Last year at your annual meeting, you as a congregation adopted the eighth principle, which means a commitment to dismantle oppression and racism within yourselves and the ways that you do church. As Reverend Jack and I have preached about, the UU principles are under a multiple year process of revision and the proposed changes are to move from these principles to values. This will be voted on at General Assembly this summer. Values such as love, justice, interdependence, equity, transformation, generosity, and pluralism. We all agree with those, right? for the most part, as much as we all agree on one thing. We come to this place with shared values, but that doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. The work of being together in community is messy and has conflict, but it's how we move towards each other after that matters. We bring our full selves to this place and love is allowing others to be who they are, as Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams said, but it's also about practicing accountability. This is the second part of our monthly theme for January. Our theme is liberating love, the practice of accountability. This means leaning into conflict as a source of transformation, not anxiety. This means often interrupting each other or providing feedback that might be kind of hard to hear in the source of ever widening our circle of welcome and in the source of dismantling how internalized oppressions show up. <clears throat> so last October, I gave a sermon about legacies. And in this sermon, I talked about researching my own ancestry and what I had found regarding my ancestors' participation in the enslavement of people of color. After the first service, a visitor who identified as white approached me and asked if I would be open to feedback. Now, typically right after a service, I am not open to feedback. <laughs> Just to let you all know in case you have a running list so far. <laughs> I normally tell people to email me because also if you have feedback for me, I would like to actually have time to meet with you and have a conversation about it and use it as an opportunity for transformation. So, Something about this interaction with this visitor made me say, sure. And then she proceeded to tell me the ways that my sermon perpetuated harm. <clears throat> the ways that I didn't move with care when discussing such harmful subjects and the ways that it perpetuated my own privilege. It was really hard to hear. I then went and met with Reverend Jack to ask his opinion. 
He provided me feedback of some areas in the sermon where I was trying to make a joke, but it came off a bit more flippant. I proceeded to change the second service and move through those areas with a bit more care. You all know over the past six months, as you've gotten to know me, that I use humor a lot in my sermons. But I want you to know that I never want to come off as flippant or condescending. I want my words to have care, and sometimes I miss the mark, and that day I did. After the service, I then reached out to several of my friends who are also colleagues to ask them to read over the sermon because I was still so bothered that this person had come up and given me this very strongly worded feedback. I was bothered that I had gotten it so wrong and that I had caused harm. One of my friends said, it's just one person, don't worry about it. And sometimes we want that friend who just validates us, right? And tells us, you're fine. It's not a big deal, but even though the intent of my sermon was not to cause harm or perpetuate my white privilege, I still did. This is why the impact of our actions matter. We can still cause harm even when we don't mean to. I have a dear friend whose work is in anti-racism work, specifically with having these conversations with white folks, who I also asked to review the sermon. We had a follow-up conversation where she began by saying, first, I want to say how brave it was of this person to come up to you and offer you that feedback, and that she must have thought that you could handle it. And I thought, well, that was a very generous way to frame this person <laughs> that my mind did not go to. And she was totally right. My friend then proceeded to go through the sermon with me and tell me all of the places where it didn't flow well, where I didn't handle things with care, where my privilege was showing up. She gave me very hard feedback, and it has changed my sermon since. I did have her read this one too yesterday. <laughs> Thankful for friends that hold us into accountability. And I want to name that she is white and that we cannot ask our friends with marginalized identities to do the emotional labor to educate us. It is up to those with similar identities to help hold each other accountable and do our own education. So this is liberating love, practicing accountability in action. Accountability in action is to have hard conversations with each other about areas where we could have done better and to do better in the future. And this calling into relationship is a gift that we can give each other, not in a shame-based way or in a way that we are seeking perfection, but in a way that acknowledges that we are all going to make mistakes. But as Reverend Jen Crow says, let's make better mistakes together. So some of you have witnessed me in meetings calling in and correcting outdated language that might be used. I try to do this in a gentle manner, and I'm aware this is more direct than is typical for Minnesota culture. But part of why I do this is to model what calling into relationship looks like, to model what doing the work together looks like so that we can all exercise these muscles together. And also to model that it doesn't have to be a big deal. We can acknowledge the word choice wasn't appropriate and move on from there. 
make mistake, make better mistakes together. And that's not to say that any one person has all the right answers, but we are doing this work together. We are covenanting together to work towards liberation, to work towards a more just and equitable world, to work towards deepening relationships that allow us to give each other feedback without taking it personally. It's really hard work. And together we try to find the way to move in the world that affirms humanity, that puts love at the core, that works to dismantle all of our internalized oppressions. And sometimes the way forward is not always that clear. Another story for you. During the month of December, we asked a group of hardy volunteers to decorate the sanctuary and the building a bit more for the holidays. As you witnessed, they did a wonderful job of bringing a little festive cheer into this building. The same week that they were decorating, I saw a post on Facebook from a Jewish UU colleague asking people not to use holiday gnomes. This post detailed that neo-Nazis are referring to Jewish people as gnomes on TikTok, and that historically the two had been linked since the Middle Ages. And I'm someone who tries to listen to the voices on the margins and lift up those requests, recognizing that one person doesn't speak for an entire marginalized group, but try to honor requests. So I sent this information on to the decorating team, who then pulled the gnomes. Through discussion with Reverend Jack, and we were trying to do more Google searching on it, he reached out to a rabbi friend of his who did some inquiry within his rabbinical community who said, this isn't a thing. <laughs> he had never heard of this. Therefore, we had two conflicting reports on how to proceed. We as a staff sat with this. We sat with our own perfectionism that wanted us to do things right and made the decision to not use the gnomes. The work of liberating love and practicing accountability is willing to be wrong, it's willing, it's about curiosity, it's about willing to make better mistakes, about giving and receiving feedback, and recognizing that we are all bound up together in an inescapable network of mutuality, as the reading from Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said earlier. This work asks us to lean into our fear of conflict, if that's present, or fear of doing things the most perfect way, our fears of wanting to be seen as good activists, Sometimes the holiest work we can do is say, I was wrong and I'm sorry. But sometimes we get caught up in wanting to be right, wanting to be understood, and we miss an opportunity for connection. Because in the end, what matters is that we value each other's humanity, is that we see love at the core of it all and treat each other as such. Another quote from Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He said, some years ago, a famous novelist died. Among his papers was found a list of suggested plots for future stories, the most prominently underscored being this one. Here's the plot. A widely separated family inherits a house in which they have to live together. He continues, this is the great new problem of mankind. 
We have inherited a large house, a great world house, in which we have to live together, black and white, Easterner and Westerner, Gentile and Jew, Catholic and Protestant, Muslim and Hindu, a family unduly separated in ideas, culture, and interest, who, because we can never again live apart, must learn somehow to live with each other in peace." End quote. Being able, to see and being able to see and respect each other's humanity while all working towards a common goal is the task of our covenantal community. We may not always get it right. In fact, we will not always get it right. But the more that we are able to see conflict as a source of transformation, this affirms the divine in each other. This is making space in the community that we create here. This makes an impact on the world. And we don't do this alone. We do this with this congregation, with this faith. Starting tomorrow, Side with Love is doing, that is part of the Unitarian Universalist Association, is doing a 30 Days of Love campaign. The theme this year is Imagining an Interdependent Future. They write, our annual month of spiritual nourishment, political grounding, and shared practices of faith and justice will begin this Monday with information published each Monday. They say, this year's 30 Days of Love is a gift to our whole community, a love letter, a warm hug, a spiritual balm for all of the individuals, families, religious professionals, partners, and communities that embody our values and work for justice and liberation year round. Each week will feature a spiritual theme overlapping with one of Side with Love's intersectional justice priorities and will share an array of offerings to help nourish your spirit and give gratitude and affirmation. So I encourage you all to go to Side with Love's website to sign up for this campaign, including families, because they are releasing Time for All Ages each week for families as well. So in a moment, the children and youth are going to come back in and bring their belief boxes that they have been working on, these boxes that are carrying the things that they believe that they hold to be true. And as they come in, I invite you to think about what is in your belief box and what has changed over the years. And if there is room to continue to let go of some of the things that no longer serve you, you can come on down to make room for new information, for new re relationships, for new ways of being. Through these holy relationships in this place, we are respecting the belief boxes that we all carry, especially when people come from different backgrounds. Look at all these belief boxes. I love them, thank you all. Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams says that love is allowing others to be who they are. We let love guide us as the hymn goes through the hard night, because the truth is that together we will make mistakes, but we will strive to make better mistakes. We will strive to name our mistakes and do better in the future. This is not a pithy love that I'm speaking of. It is a liberating love, asking us to be accountable to each other, asking us to recognize that we are not alone. This is your invitation to stay in this week, to notice how and when accountability shows up in your life and, and it invites you into a newer and deeper love of humanity. We are all bound up together. Take good care of yourselves and each other this week, dear ones, and remember that truth deep inside you that you are not alone. 
You are beloved and you are held in this community by love. Amen? Amen.